from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good afternoon for those of you on the East Coast and on the West Coast. Good evening if you're on the East Coast. Hard to believe it's already Wednesday, but welcome to this edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council, uh, sitting in for Tony this evening. Glad to have you on board with us as well. We've got a lot to cover and a lot happening in the news. Let me give you the rundown of some of the highlights. A budget battle is brewing for September when Congress returns from its annual August recess. And the question is, can House Republicans rein in spending? Wow, it's going to be a tall order. Could we potentially see a government shutdown? We only have a number of days in September. What I think would be best, keep doing what we're passing the bills off the floor. Then what you have to do with the Senate and the House, I think you have to get a conference. I don't see the timeline to make sure we get all that done in a amount of time. So I would be open to do a small extension. Only if that work has happened. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy saying that he would be willing to do a an extension that rubs hard against some conservatives in Congress. Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale will be joining me here in just a couple of moments to discuss that. And I'll also be talking with him about the latest on the DOJ's handling of the Biden business corruption scandal that now... Even the legacy media is having difficulty ignoring. I genuinely am perplexed by what DOJ is doing here. I think they've made a real mess for themselves, and now they're going to have to deal with the consequences of it. Well, that was CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. And, uh, boy, you know, we could just be seeing the tip of the iceberg. We'll see where all of this leads us. And yesterday, I discussed Alabama's legal victory for its law protecting children from experimental gender procedures. Well, there's a similar court battle that is currently underway this week in Missouri over a law that they passed to protect children. And Missouri's Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, will provide an update as to what's happening a little bit later in the program. And speaking of the transgender agenda, the Biden administration recently released, now catch this, LGBTQI plus inclusive development policy. That is such a mouthful. But we've got this LGBTQI plus policy that the U.S. Agency for International Development is using. They are seeking to push that agenda literally around the world. Policy is a blueprint for USAID staff and partners around the world to champion LGBTQI plus inclusive development and the human rights of all LGBTQI plus people through our work. Well, that was the USAID senior LGBTQI plus coordinator, Jay Gilliam, announcing the new policy. And FRC's Ariel Del Turco will come on board to help explain how the Biden administration's obsession with this agenda is really hurting our foreign policy as it relates to diplomacy. And then we'll wrap up today's program with a couple of items. First, how a ministry is helping churches connect with their local communities. 
And then I want to share some results of a worldview survey that was commissioned by the Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview. And I assure you there's information in there that you do not want to miss. So we've got a full show lined up for you. And as a reminder, as always, our website is TonyPerkins.com, a great place for resources as well as a place to go if by any chance you miss a portion of this program today or if you just want to go check some archives of previous episodes you can catch it there at tonyperkins.com all right let's jump into our first topic when members of congress return uh, to washington next month they're just literally going to have a few short weeks before the federal government's funding expires on september 30th well this week the house freedom caucus announced that it opposes any stopgap funding. That would be a continuing resolution. They don't want any kind of uh, extension whatsoever unless Congress addresses some key issues, such as the border security, uh, the weaponization of the Department of Justice, and the woke Pentagon policies that are undermining the core mission of our military. So September is shaping up to be quite a showdown. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Matt Rosendale. He serves on the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, as well as the Committee on Natural Resources, and he is a member of the House Freedom Caucus and a great friend. Congressman Rosendale, good to see you again. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me on, Jody. It's always good to be with you. Well, likewise. Okay, uh, House Freedom Caucus, you're a member. I was a member, love the House Freedom Caucus. They released a statement uh, really saying what it would take for them to back a continuing resolution and extension to fund the government for a period of time. But you have taken a different position, a step further, in saying that you will oppose any kind of CR. Tell us why. The uh, federal government, Congress, is charged with developing 12 appropriation bills in order to provide the transparency and the oversight uh, and to fund government in such a fashion that everyone can see exactly where those dollars are going to and to make sure it's policies that we support. And unfortunately, uh, they have not done so for the last, I think, about four years now, Jody. Uh, you could probably speak to that even better than me. But I know since I've been there, the, the last three years, we have not done so. And we were assured under the leadership of Speaker Kevin McCarthy that we were going to deliver on that obligation, to deliver the 12 separate appropriation bills to show exactly how we were going to fund uh, the entire federal government. And this is uh, what we've been working towards up to this point. I don't know whether it's not going to be done because of malice or negligence. Doesn't matter. If they're not going to uh, deliver the 12 appropriation bills, and look, I'm more than willing, as you know, to, uh, to spend the time in Washington if that is necessary in order for us to develop uh, and deliver those 12 appropriation bills. But if we're not going to, then a continuing resolution, think about this continuing to spend at the same levels that we all voted against for the last two years on policies that we all voted against for the last two years. Why would I sign off on a continuing resolution to continue to fund at elevated levels policies that I completely disagree with? So that's why I say 
I'm not supporting any continued resolution. And look, I have the highest regard for all of my colleagues in the Freedom Caucus across Congress. I truly do hold these people in high regard. However, we know, and, and I asked them the other evening, does anybody truly believe that we're going to see a continuing resolution that provides a the, the, the policies that they uh, would support? And they said to the person, no, we really don't believe so. I said, then let's be honest. Let's come out and tell the American people we're not going to support the continuation of the Biden administration policies and spending. And, and that's where we draw the line. And we'll, we're prepared to go ahead and, and stay there as long as it takes to get the appropriation bills done. Well, I tell you what, this is and we all saw it coming. We have seen this coming for a long, long time. This is going to be a battle this is a line in the sand, I believe, for Kevin McCarthy as to whether or not he survives being the Speaker of the House. In fact, I saw a non-Freedom Caucus member say that it is inevitable that uh, Speaker McCarthy will not survive if, if he doesn't uh, get through this uh, uh, in, the, in the manner that conservatives have sent there to do, as you're just describing. So this is going to be an incredible showdown and. We're certainly going to be keeping a pulse on it. Let me switch topics. Unfortunately, our time always seems to run out quickly. Uh, but yesterday, House Republicans sent a letter to the Department of Justice, the Inspector General, asking if his office has been limited in its ability to investigate the IRS whistleblower testimony about the Hunter Biden probe. I think that's a great letter to send. Uh, does it appear to you like the Department of Justice is continuing to cover up for Hunter Biden and possibly even for President Biden and doing so really at their own detriment? I, I think that they are. I think that they are. The American people look at what's playing out in front of them, and you don't have to be uh, an FBI agent to see that millions of dollars have come through China into the uh, Biden crime family. Millions of dollars have come from Russia. Kazakhstan, Ukraine, into the Biden crime family. If anyone else uh, had a, a, a small fraction of that amount of evidence that had been brought up against them, they would be charged, they would be prosecuted, and there's no doubt in my mind that they would be serving time right now. And, and this is the kinds of things that why in the world are we going to vote on a continuing resolution to fund the very agency that is not doing their job to charge and prosecute criminals. Congress can continue to elevate these issues. We can provide the oversight uh, to, to make sure that everyone is aware of it. But at the end of the day, Jody, you and I know that the Department of Justice has to charge and prosecute. And we've got deep-seated problems, not only DOJ, but the affiliates, the FBI, the IRS, I had a gun store in, in Great Falls, Montana that was raided. I'm still trying to, to get records returned for them. We've got major problems, and the appropriations process is one of the only tools that Congress has to rein these out-of-control agencies in. Absolutely, and, I, you know, people are disgusted with the obstruction that they see from this administration and the various agencies that are so connected with it. And Speaker McCarthy actually came up saying that he would call for an impeachment inquiry against President Biden if they continue to obstruct and refuse to hand over the documents that uh, they're, they're requesting. Uh, you know, what, what happens with all of this? And we've just got a couple of minutes, but where is all this going? I think an impeachment inquiry really 
heightens the subpoena power. So I, I think at the end of the day, one way or the other, y'all will get the documents. Uh, do you agree, or am I missing something here? No, I, I think so, but, I, but I'm very uh, concerned and, and unfortunately cynical at this point that we've had nine months to, uh, to perform these tasks, and just now uh, Speaker McCarthy is coming forward and starting to actually embrace the impeachment inquiry uh, when he himself is in great jeopardy of his own job, quite frankly. Uh, he showed that he was willing to form a coalition with 169 Democrats and only 145 Republicans in order to get the debt ceiling package passed. We knew at that point he extended the debt ceiling out until January of 25. He removed all leverage that the Republicans in the House have to negotiate much of anything. And so now uh, we are proceeding down this path where he's going to propose a continuing resolution. And instead of, of addressing this issue, and again, uh, delivering on the appropriation bills, we're going to see a sleight of hand. We're going to see a little bit of, 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 of distraction going on where we might be able to begin an impeachment investigation into Mayorkas or into Biden or into the, his crime family, and, and people aren't going to fall for it. Well, you've got 10 seconds to answer my last question. We've got the first presidential debate tonight, minus one heavy hitter. What are you hoping comes out of the, tonight's debate? I'm going to be interested to uh, see the debate and see exactly uh, what these individuals try to highlight as their accomplishments, as their achievements. We know what President Trump has accomplished. He, he created the strongest economy We're going to have to leave that it our there. country has ever seen. Thank you, Congressman Rosendell. We appreciate it. All right, friends, coming up next, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey will talk about what's happening in his court case right after the break. Stay tuned. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. It's an honor to be with you. I'm Jody Heiss, your host, and we are uh, glad to be hitting on some major issues. You'll recall yesterday I uh, brought up a federal court decision that is allowing Alabama to begin enforcement of its law to protect minors from gender mutilation and other experimental procedures. Well, the state of Missouri passed a similar bill back in June that has since been challenged by the usual LGBT interest groups as well as some doctors who are looking to preserve this monstrous moneymaker, quite frankly. But the trial started yesterday, is expected to go at least through tomorrow. And joining me now to provide an update is Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. Attorney General Bailey, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, listen, we love having you on. Let's just jump right into this. Uh, give us an update on the trial so far. Yeah, well, like you said, the ACLU and Lambda Legal have challenged us here in Missouri. Our General Assembly enacted a provision that would protect children from this sterilization machine that has created so many victims in so many other places. It's a machine that has been rejected by European nations that are far to the left of America culturally because at least these European nations have recognized there's no health care, no science, no medicine to back up the, the safety or effectiveness of these procedures. And it was creating long-term serious negative health consequences for children. And we're all about protecting children here in the state of Missouri. Proud to live in a state where the General Assembly has enacted that statute. And, you know, at the end of the day, when the General Assembly passes a bill and the governor signs it into law, that's two branches of government uh, signing off as to the constitutionality of that measure. And uh, Lambda Legal and, and, uh, and the ACLU disagree with that. And so they've raised an equal protection clause challenge. Uh, they filed suit and have asked the judge for preliminary injunction. That law is set to go into effect next Monday on August 28th. We raced into court and put together an, an excellent trial strategy based on lessons learned from other states and have been putting on evidence to justify a compelling interest in the state of Missouri to protect children from this form of sterilization. Well, I understand you had the, some of the leftist activists actually have some pretty significant admissions in the court. What What is that? What happened? 
Yeah, well, the plaintiffs have the burden of proof to justify uh, that they're likely to succeed on the merits by proving that this uh, bill would violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Missouri Constitution. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And it was important for us to have a live hearing with real witnesses and evidence and testimony because I want to put their people under oath and make them own the lies. And we did that effectively through cross-examination. They took to the stand and talked about the studies that they feel justify these sterilization procedures, the administration of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and ultimately irreversible surgeries that harm children. And we made them own the fact. We made them testify to the fact that it was based on weak science. We made them own the fact that they had not looked at the European studies that have rejected these kinds of procedures. And they, we made them own the fact that there are zero FDA approvals for puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones or zero clinical assessments to establish the, the safety or effectiveness in these treatments for treating gender dysphoria. And I think it's important to point out, too, that the studies they're relying on in, in justifying this pseudoscience in each of those studies where they're saying that these procedures are safe or effective, there was also psychological or psychiatric treatment going on for the patient. So there's a, you know, there's a real problem between causation and correlation here, and they couldn't, they couldn't justify it. And then on the other side, when we're putting on our evidence, not only did we have experts uh, opining that there are no studies to back up uh, this pseudoscience to say it's safe or effective, but we also had detransitioners, victims of this sterilization system, victims that were came to court and with tears in their eyes testified how devastating and uh, you know this has been to their lives and how they're serving life sentences for bad decisions that adults made when those adults were charged with protecting them. And that justifies the Missouri's compelling interest in this law. But it's important to get that out in open court and shine the light of truth on this issue. Man, you're not kidding. That's a brilliant strategy. And to make them own their own uh, false uh, beliefs and uh, pseudoscience as, you, as, as it is, uh, I, I think that's a powerful way to go. I, I brought this up in, in this segment because I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the decision that uh, we talked about yesterday in Alabama, the law and the federal courts that have upheld that law to protect children. Uh, is there any way you, do you think that that uh, influences your own trial? Absolutely. This is a developing legal issue. You know, obviously having the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals say that the state of Alabama has a compelling interest in protecting children from this sterilization machine. You know, that that is a compelling legal precedent that should be applied at the trial court here in Missouri. You know, the, the plaintiffs in this instance have raised state law claims under the Missouri Constitution. But what they fail to recognize is that the Equal Protection Clause of the Missouri Constitution is coexistent with and analyzed in the same manner as the United States Constitution Equal Protection Clause. And I would also point out that equal protection clause jurisprudence for the past hundred years has been based on immutable characteristics. It is unconstitutional to di discriminate based on uh, on people based on immutable characteristics, and yet the plaintiffs here submit that gender is mutable. So their entire legal argument falls on its face. We have recent groundbreaking precedent that just came out this week that we believe will be persuasive, and ultimately we will succeed on the merits of our claim and defend this statute in order to protect children here in the state of Missouri. You know, it's just unbelievable that they keep defending the mutilization of these children. I, that is just beyond me. In fact, they're arguing for off-label use of these drugs. How can you wonder how can they even make these kind of arguments? It's shameful. 
It's disgusting. How dare anyone tell these children that God put them in the wrong body? We know God doesn't make mistakes. And you know what? History is not going to look kindly on this in the same way that we look back at the 40s and 50s and how psychiatric patients were given lobotomies. And at the time, that was, quote, unquote, leading science to cut people, parts of people's brains out who were suffering from mental health disorders. We look at that as an abomination now. History is going to judge this issue the same way. It's wrong. It was wrong then. It's wrong now. There's a generation of children who have been victimized by this, and we're going to put a stop to it. Thank you so much. All right, less than a minute left. Uh, what's ahead for this? Uh, what's going to be your next move going forward? Well, the judge is on a tight timeline here. The law is set to go into effect on August 28th. That's next week. So the judge is going to have to issue his order as to whether or not to issue an injunction uh, against the law being implemented. We've asked the judge that if he's going to uh, issue an injunction to make that injunction permanent so we can go straight to the Missouri Supreme Court and get clarity on the constitutionality of this issue. The plaintiffs have objected. They don't want a permanent injunction. They're using procedural chicanery to try to gum up the works. And so, again, we're going to hold them accountable. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, I just want to tell you straight up, uh, you have become a hero to many of our viewers and listeners and many here at FRC. Thank you for your courageous stance, your ability to articulate the argument and stand in the gap. Uh, the battles you're engaged in are enormous for our country and our next generation. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. Thank you, sir. Hi, friends. Coming up, the Biden administration continues to push the LGBT agenda throughout the entire world. I'll be discussing the impact that this is having with diplomacy and other issues right after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled a Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview.
Good afternoon. Glad to have you joining us this evening on Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, your host, sitting in for Tony. All right, the U.S. government, look, we all know it can be a force for good. It can do things like bring humanitarian aid to hurting nations, uh, defend religious liberties, religious freedom throughout the world, these type of things. But under the Biden administration, a relentless push of the LGBT agenda literally overrides humanitarian principles at every turn. Earlier this month, the United States Agency for International Develop, uh, Development, or you said, uh, released its LGBTQI plus inclusive development policy, which will reallocate resources from the organization's stated mission in favor of pushing radical gender ideology. I am proud to launch USAID's first ever lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex inclusive development policy. The policy is a blueprint for USAID staff and partners around the world to champion LGBTQI plus inclusive development and the human rights of all LGBTQI plus people through our work. Wow. Yeah, I mean, here, here we have the, you said, senior LGBTQI plus coordinator. Did you hear what all that was? The lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, inclusion, develop? I mean, what? where are we going with all of this? And what is the impact of this type of policy being pushed on our uh, foreign policy? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Ariel Del Turco. She's the director of the Center for Religious Liberty here at FRC. Ariel, thank you for joining us here on Washington Watch. Good to have you. Thank you for having me, Jody. All right, so what what is the stated mission? Why don't we start here? What is the stated mission of USAID, and how does this new policy really lead them to take their eye off the ball? Yeah, so USAID, it's primarily responsible for um, exporting most of the United States foreign assistance, which is, of course, funded by taxpayers. So they're supposed to be doing things like saving lives, providing food aid, providing uh, humanitarian relief after uh, natural disasters, uh, things like that, which we can all agree on that are important, uh, that are a force for good, as you said in your introduction. Sadly, the Biden administration has completely hijacked this agency, and they're treating it now like an activist organization. The new USAID uh, LGBT policy that you mentioned in your introduction, it basically reads like an activist handbook. And frankly, I think that's what USAID thinks that they are. They think they're an activist organization. That's how they act. And they their number one priority uh, it might not be the development assistance that we think it should be. It might actually be this LGBT expansionism around the world. I think that's an excellent way of putting it. They really have become an activist agency pushing this LGBT type uh, uh, policy around the world. And obviously, Ariel, that has to impact our relationship with needy nations, quite frankly, that we are trying to help and that uh, this agency is designed to help. Can you unpack some of the harm that comes from this type of 
transition in an agency to push radical ideology? Absolutely. Well, many of the countries that USAID is focused on helping, uh, they're poorer, they're often more culturally conservative, uh, they're often more religious, so they're not as keen on uh, the LGBT ideology that Western elites are so uh, invested in pushing around the world. And so there's a real conflict there when uh, for example, recently the Biden administration threatened to withhold PEPFAR funds, which is supposed to go to supporting uh, AIDS patients uh, in Africa. Uh, they threatened Uganda to remove all of their PEPFAR funds, uh, remove their AIDS funding because of a bill that they passed that they didn't see as pro-LGBT. So they're really being coercive here, and that's going to have a real problem when we're looking at China coming to these countries offering AIDS, and they don't have the same strings attached. How are African countries going to feel is their friend? Are they going to look to the Biden administration, who's pushing these ideologies down their throats, or are they going to look to China, who's willing to hand out money for free? Yeah, you know, and this obviously, to me, not only hurts those countries that were designed here to help, but it impacts what other countries are seeing the United States push as well. Listen, ultimately, is, is it fair to say that this policy from the Biden administration is actively harming our international diplomacy? Yeah, the Biden administration, sadly, with debacles like Afghanistan, Ukraine, uh, how the Biden administration is handling China or failing to counter it, they've proven themselves completely untrustworthy uh, with the weight and responsibility of American diplomacy. They are in charge of the most powerful country in the world, and they're not acting like it at all. Uh, they're spending all of their resources, all of their focus on these political agendas, specifically on abortion, on climate change, on LGBT ideologies. And frankly, it's not just bad for the rest of the world, it's bad for the United States as well. It's not good for our spiritual health that we are exporting this filth around the world uh, and suffering with it as home as well. Ariel Del Turco, thank you so much for keeping us up to speed on something that the legacy media totally ignores. All right, friends, coming up, we're going to highlight one ministry and what they're doing to help churches reach their neighbors with the message of Jesus Christ. Stay tuned. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first, just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Dr. James Dobson. And I just want to congratulate you on everything that's said and done there. I believe in the Family Research Council and the work that it's doing. There aren't very many left that are that true blue, that uh, conform with biblical truth. Uh, But this organization has done that, and I congratulate you for it. Well, doesn't it just make you smile to hear the voice of Dr. James Dobson? What a, what a warrior, what a great man, and we are grateful for the incredible role he had in founding Family Research Council uh, 40 years ago. We'll be celebrating that and want you to come join us September 15th through 17th right here in Washington, D.C. at this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. It's going to be one awesome, incredible event as we continue standing and equipping you to stand for faith, family, and freedom. Registration is going rapidly. Uh, We're not filled up, but it's filling up. And we encourage you to go to our website, prayvotestand.org, for more details and to register. That's prayvotestand.org. And this is one, I assure you, you don't want to miss. All right, friends, we all know that we live in a world that literally is crying out for the message of the gospel. We live in a world that desperately is in need of revival. Well, there's a North Carolina-based ministry. It's called Saturate USA. They've developed a program for churches to saturate their local zip codes with a gospel-based care package 
to connect with their community and to help spread the gospel of Jesus. Joining me now to discuss this is Scott Baller. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Saturate USA. Scott, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jody. Really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. You know, not all of our viewers or listeners are familiar uh, with your ministry. Tell us about uh, the ministry and what you're hoping to accomplish. Yeah, well, uh, Saturate USA started about four years ago, a little over four years ago. And the goal was is to try to start a revival in the United States. And uh, it was started by a group of lay people that uh, just love our country and love uh, everyone. And the goal was to try to get people to get outside the walls of their church and get out and share the good news of the gospel, which we all believe in. And so we all were very involved in different ministries in regard to like uh, doing foreign ministry, missionary work and so forth. But we really wanted to do something to really try to affect the people that we live every day with. We drive by when we come home from work, we wave to as they're mowing their yard and so forth. And so uh, we were, uh, there's a, Barna had done a research uh, about four or five years ago uh, that talked about if you uh, looked and they took a survey of people that go to, uh, you know, churches in the United States, and they said less than 5% of those people feel comfortable going out and sharing their faith and s telling people about Jesus. And so we were looking for an easy way to try to empower people to do that, but then also empower people to get back to the local church. And so that's how Saturate USA started. Yeah, it sounds like well, not only just an incredible idea and uh, uh, a powerful tool, but it sounds like one of those ministries that is every bit as much a blessing for those who are participating as it is for those on the receiving end. I mean, Christians are fulfilled when they have had an opportunity to share their faith uh, with, with someone else. What kind of response have you received from these individuals and from churches that are participating? Uh, it's it's got to be a good thing, I would think. Yeah, Jody, it's been incredible. So we provide these packs to churches for free. There is uh, no charge. We ship out uh, saturation packs to them. In that pack is going to be a DVD with a, a QR code on it that allows you to either go and online uh, watch the Jesus film, uh, Magdalena, Jesus film for children, and uh, basically it's all for free. And so you have that DVD in there. Then we also provide a booklet in there that uh, talks, it's called, uh, Do You Want to Know God Personally? And it's a very simple tool that allows a person to read through and get to the point where they can understand what that relationship looks like. And so we have had an incredible response from the churches. We've had over 13,000 churches in the last four and a half years sign up for this program. And uh, it's been just phenomenal. We've had over 48,000 homes uh, adopted at this point by a church. And so a church will adopt their zip code that they're in or multiple zip codes. And we send out a pack for every home in that in that zip code, along with special maps that we have provided to them that help them organize and get out in the community and, and work that area. And, uh, and then all we ask from them is that they respond back and let us know how it's going with pictures and stories and just all those kind of things, which is really neat. And so it's been incredible. We had 13,000 churches do it. And as you know, Jody, you mentioned, if any of us have went out and shared our faith with anyone, 
Normally what happens is we think we're blessing everyone. Well, it turns out we get blessed. And we have story after story of people that are in a point of need and they get this pack and either gets them going back to church. It opens up a conversation with the neighbor to know more about Christ, or maybe it's just a need. Maybe they're having uh, problems in their, their families or with their work and different things. And so it's been incredible to watch this connect people with local churches and with, with their neighbors. Real quickly, can you give us one of those success stories? Sure. Uh, you know, pretty touching story. Uh, we started one of the first states that really got going was Florida a couple of years back. And uh, one of the people went out and went through their neighborhood, just like they were part of the local Baptist church there in town. Uh, they said, hey, we would love to do our neighborhood. They probably had about 200 homes they were going to go out. And they went out and they hung the uh, the packets on doors. Now, one of the things that's required in the package is it needs to have local information on their church because we're trying to get people back to the church, not to saturate USA. And so they lay, they went through their neighborhood. They laid the packet uh, on the door, and uh, then they were going to follow up a couple weeks later. So they did follow up, and uh, they uh, this man came to this house, knocked on the door, said, you know, hey, we left this pack a couple weeks ago, just wanted to follow up. The lady answered and said, well, you have changed my husband's life forever. Uh, my husband had cancer. He passed away about a week ago. And fortunately, he was able to watch the Jesus film and go through the booklet. And I got to lead him to Christ. And this family, she had been trying to get him to go to church for a while. And what a powerful story. And obviously, uh, what a powerful story. And all that passion, you know, passionate. But when the Lord's in charge and Lord's doing things, it's amazing how those things work, right? Scott Baller, thank you so much. Real quickly, how can our viewers and listeners pray and how can they support the ministry? You know, I just I just pray for churches out there to be evangelistic and to get out and share the gospel. I think our country needs that more than ever right now. Uh, there's so many people hurting post-COVID and even pre-COVID, and they need to know about Jesus Christ. And so we just ask that they would, you'd be praying for these churches and praying for individuals to get out and share the gospel. It's really simple. You can go to saturateusa.org. You can sign up. One of our staff will call you, and within weeks, you'll get all your packets, and your church can start doing an amazing work of sharing the gospel with their neighbors. Saturate USA. Scott Baller, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the amazing work and the encouragement you've given us this evening on Washington Watch. God bless you. Thank you, sir. All right, friends, I was joined yesterday with George Barna as he shared wisdom uh, for parents and how to raise your children to be disciples. And George, by the way, is a senior research fellow here at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview, which recently commissioned a national survey on adult churchgoers on social issues and worldview issues. It was an amazing uh, outcome, and we want to bring in now to discuss this, David Clawson, who's the director of FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview. David, thank you for joining me this evening on Washington Watch. Hey, great to be back with you, Jody. Well, listen, what a what a great idea to put together this survey, this poll, to try to get some more information. Uh, what was FRC hoping to accomplish with this research? Yeah, num number one, Jody, you know, FRC, we don't want to just talk about the problems and issues we see. We want to be able to provide resources uh, for all of these issues. And so what we, we thought uh, at the Center for Biblical Worldview, 
it would be really good just to know what the people who actually go to church believe. Uh, we wanted to know not just, you know, people who identify as Christians, uh, but those who regularly attend church, those who are members of local congregations. Uh, we wanted to know what they actually believe on just basic doctrinal issues as well as uh, social issues. Uh, what do Christians actually believe on the life issue, on marriage, on sexuality? And so the goal really, Jody, was uh, to do, again, this extensive nationwide survey uh, to really see what the most devout uh, Christians in our country actually believe on basic doctrinal questions as well as social issues. Well, that distinction is huge, not just people who profess Christianity, but who are active, that it is part of their life. Uh, that's different from other major polling groups that have been tested, I'm sure, on some of these social issues. So let's get into some of the details. This is, this is what we want to hear. What were some of the most encouraging developments that you found out uh, about the theology and the worldview of these churchgoers? Yeah, there was a lot. And yeah, Joe, just to be clear, what was neat about this is these are people you had to attend church at least monthly uh, to qualify to take this our survey. And 72% of the people who took our survey are, are actually weekly church attenders. Uh, and so we really think that this uh, survey gets the pulse of what evangelical Christians, Protestant Christians, Catholic Christians believe in this country. And so there were several really encouraging things. I think number one that stood out to me is that 88% of people who regularly attend church uh, told us that they believed it was really important uh, for Christians to have a biblical worldview for that fundamental perspective that they have uh, to be informed by God's Word. I found that very encouraging. Uh, and a couple other things that we found interesting, think about, uh, Jody, just the onslaught that marriage has undergone uh, just in the last 10 years. And even though uh, there's been so much messaging against uh, marriage and the LGBT revolution, 75% uh, of churchgoers told us that they believe that the Bible was clear uh, and definitive on the definition of marriage. So I was, uh, dis you know, thinking about everything that's happened in our culture in the last 10 years, I was still encouraged that still 75% had an orthodox view uh, one other thing I'll share, Joe's, uh, uh, Jody, is uh, how many of these regular churchgoers told us that they wanted their church to provide biblical worldview training on a host of issues. Just under 80 percent uh, told us that they want their church to provide more training on social and political responsibility. Uh, Seventy percent told us that they want their church to provide more instruction on how to think through the issue of life. Uh, the value of life and abortion, and 68% uh, of churchgoers told us they really wanted their church to provide more training on the issue of sexuality. And so I think I was just encouraged, uh, Jody, to see uh, how many active churchgoers are actively looking uh, to their church, to their pastor for guidance on how to think through all the moral issues that we're dealing with in culture. That, those are extremely encouraging uh, statistics and information you've given us. Uh, and so we have over 80% of evangelicals, uh, church-going believers, claim that they read the Bible or study the Bible every, every week. So an obvious question this, I think I know the answer, but I want to get if, you're, if the survey revealed this. Did higher levels of Bible reading and church attendance correlate with a better score of a biblical worldview? Absolutely, it did. And that was encouraging, uh, Jody. 
uh, one of the things we did in the survey, and I, by the way, I invite everyone to take a look at our report at frc.org forward slash worldview. You can see the, the summary of the survey there. One of the things we did is we measured a specific uh, theological beliefs, just very basic beliefs, an orthodox view of God, an orthodox view of Jesus, and an orthodox view of Scripture. Um, and the people who read the Bible uh, weekly uh, were much more likely to score as having orthodox beliefs. Uh, those who attended church weekly versus monthly were also more likely to hold more orthodox theological beliefs about the person of Jesus, uh, a right view of God, a right view of Scripture. So it seems so basic. Uh, but again, I encouraged our, our Association of Churches and Ministries pastors last night on a call where we shared some of this preliminary information. If you can just get your people to read God's Word and to show up weekly at church, they are much more likely to have a biblical worldview on all issues. We, I'm sure you know we had George Barna on with us just yesterday on the program, and he identifies what he calls seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. They're foundations, and we've only got uh, 45 seconds here, but can you share what are those cornerstone theological principles that must be present to have a biblical yeah. worldview? Absolutely, and if you're going to go to the report, it's on page six, but it's just re really, uh, real simply, Jody, it's uh, an orthodox view of God, an orthodox view of human sin, an understanding that sin can only be forgiven uh, through Jesus Christ, uh, understanding that the Bible is the true and reliable word of God, an understanding that all absolute moral truth exists, understanding that human purpose is to honor and glorify God, and an understanding that success on earth is best understood as obedience to God. And so in our survey, we show where Christians score on all seven of those cornerstones. So again, invite people to look at the survey, and uh, pastors can hopefully use this to teach to the test, so to speak. What well, is for pastors and is for churchgoers to give to their pastors. One more time, where can that report be found? Absolutely, Jody. It is at frc.org forward slash worldview. Thank you, David Clawson, director of FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview. Incredible information. Friends, we try to keep you informed on the news, and we try to keep you informed on the biblical worldview. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Have a fantastic evening. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Washington Watch. Good night. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.